Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News Podcast with me, your host, Katherine Getty. Each Thursday, I'll give you the scoop on the good news coming out of Washington and how you can get involved with this thing called democracy. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Good News Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join today. Whenever and wherever this episode finds you, I hope the Oregon News Podcast gives you a dose of the good news coming out of Washington, and I hope you know how much I value each of you for taking the time in this busy, busy world to join me in this schoolhouse rock-like effort we are embarking upon. So thank you. And let's get to the heart of the episode. What is the good news? What is the news coming out of Washington this week? And to be honest, it's a lot, so buckle up. First, The debt ceiling debacle continues because, and I'm going to call it a debacle because at this point, it is dominating everything that is happening in Washington. Even if it doesn't touch the debt ceiling, it is all members and staff, prognosticators alike want to talk about. So I want to give you an update on what's been happening over the last week. I talked about last week in episode 93 that President Joe Biden met with the big four That's the top congressional leaders in the House and Senate. So that consists, that big four consists of Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. They met on Tuesday, May 9th to discuss their positions on the debt ceiling. House Republicans passed a measure that would lift the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion or to March 2024, whichever came first, with some cutting measures. White House and Senate Democrats remain in the position of wanting a clean, so no spending cuts when addressing the debt ceiling. They want to decouple those issues. It's my opinion that movement will happen because, well, the impact of not addressing the debt ceiling can have very drastic impacts to our U.S. economy. At a basic level, not raising the debt ceiling would mean the U.S. government would not have enough money to pay for its accrued debts. I'll repeat that. Not raising the debt ceiling at a base level means we would not be able to pay our debts. That has never happened in U.S. history. And one thing as a country we have always done is met those requirements. While the debt ceiling has come to the brink many a time, I think most recently we can think about 2011 as being the most, the biggest in recent memory and That's crazy to think it's been 12 years, but it has been 12 years. That is probably the height of brinkmanship. I think this is coming now to a strong, strong second. The fact, though, that we are getting to this kind of level of not having a decision made, it not raising the debt ceiling could mean we could go into a deep recession, we would default on our debt. A lot of negative things would start to happen, not only for us borrowing as as Americans. So It's my hope that before June 1st, which is what Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has identified as that X date of when the U.S. Treasury can no longer do extraordinary measures to pay for our crude debt is going to hit. So we are in crunch time. As of this week, the big four and President Biden met again on Tuesday. What's going to happen out of that? It seems like what we're hearing is Speaker McCarthy says there's not a lot of movements. You're hearing from Leader Schumer in the Senate saying, yeah, movement has been happening. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think we will have 
it's going to come up to the crunch line. I think what sometimes is really frustrating as Americans is that it takes a deadline for what it feels like the Congress to actually act. Is that always true? No. But I think that that, those deadlines, when you think about spending bills, so if we're going to fund our government, it always goes to the deadline. When it comes to debt ceiling, it always goes to the deadline. It's not a great look. So hopefully we're going to get past this. We're going to create some, maybe some movement. Um, Hope springs eternal, but I will keep you posted on what's happening. What is the news coming out of Washington? Because June 1st is going to be here before we know it. So more to come. So what else is happening in Washington? You may have seen in the news that House Republicans passed a border bill last Thursday, so a week ago from when this episode is coming out. This comes as a President Trump-era policy known as Title 42 expired. So what exactly did House Republicans do, and what is a quick primer on Title 42? Let's get into it. So what's in the House Republicans' H.R. 2 known as Secure the Border Act, which passed with a vote of 219 to 213. As a reminder, 218 is the magical number in the House for a majority. So it was razor thin, but no matter what, it was a vote in favor of the measure passing. The bill is a proposal, is a joint proposal of three committees. So it kind of goes back to what we've talked to in the last couple of weeks that committees are where the lion's share of work happens. It was a joint proposal between, there was a proposal from House Judiciary, House Foreign Affairs Committee, Homeland Security Committee. All those different pieces came together. To kind of refresh, we talked about how in Senate help, there's this thing called jurisdiction. All committees in Congress have a jurisdiction. It basically means, what are we going to work on? That's the simple idea of jurisdiction. So House Judiciary has a different jurisdiction than Foreign Affairs, has a different jurisdiction than Homeland Security, which is why those three proposals coming together for the big bill matters. So it includes, at its heart, work in Republicans' mind to support Customs and Border Protection, CBP, on a number of policies, and Republicans couch the measure as the strongest border bill to pass the House. You see the news. That's what a lot of House Republicans are saying. So what I want to do in these episodes, though, is kind of give you dive in a little bit deeper about, okay, what does it actually do? So just top line, what's in it? And as a reminder, when something passes either the Senate or the House, it has to pass the other chamber, and it also has to get signed by the signature. Given that we are in divided Congress, this has a very slim chance of passing the House, of passing the Senate, excuse me. So this is more of a why it matters is because when House Republicans are, you know, this is capping off a campaign promise of something they said they were going to work on. They said they were going to work on border security. So they, their voters in their minds told them, asked them to do this. That is important. I think we should all want our members of Congress to do what they say they're going to do. So the bill would include modernizing and enhancing technology and require CBP to develop a tech investment plan. It would bolster staffing, but it would limit staffing to not, they could not do um, processing at the border. It would have to be other metrics. So I think a lot of Republicans are, feel frustrated that they, there isn't a lot of security in their minds happening. It's more just processing at the border. 
It would also reinstate another President Trump-era policy of remain in Mexico, meaning that asylum seekers would stay in Mexico until their case could be considered. And additionally, it would enhance e-verify requirements, which is a database employers use to verify an individual's immigration status. So that's what the bill that passed the House did. And like I said, it caps off a campaign promise. And I think for the current House Republican conference, they are delivering on the promises that they they campaigned on. And I think if we all transport ourselves back to January, we didn't know if that was going to happen. I think say what you want about House Republicans, they're getting things across the line. So upon passage, Republicans highlighted that this was the first House Republican bill related to border security to pass in the 21st century. I do want to say, because it's important to me, I always encourage you to dig deeper, and I cannot, for the life of me, quite figure out if House Democrats have passed any border security measures in the last 20 years. My gut, given that they say Republicans haven't passed in the la- in the 21st century, is that Democrats have. You'll see kind of ways you kind of try to couch moving something along as a way of they've only been able to do it. It is the nature of politics. It's not a bad thing. So I think that we can step back and realize that both Republicans and Democrats need to step up when it comes to our immigration system, from border security to immigration to trade, making sure that we as a country are, you know, changing the way we handle it. Like, we haven't really changed our immigration system in quite some time. We haven't addressed border security, and it's constantly changing. So those are both things that Republicans and Democrats need to deal with. We need to deal with our root causes. We need to step up. We have heard it, I feel like, every election, security or immigration or border, it's become a buzzword, and it needs to be so much more than that. So That is what's happening in the House. House passed a border security bill, does a lot of things with CBP, updates some policies. It is good as dead on arrival in the Senate, but it's important that the conversation starts. And you will see that in the Senate, you saw a bipartisan idea be put forth by Senators Kirsten Sinema, independent of Arizona, and Senators Tom Tellis. Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican of North Carolina. You know, hope can spring eternal. I'll say the same phrase again, that maybe these two things, what happened in the House and what's happening in the Senate, can push some things along. If we don't have a conversation about this, it's not going to change. So, okay, so we've talked about the House measure. Let's talk about Title 42. I feel like it's all we've been seeing in the news as of late, and Title 42 is named for a 1944 public health law that allows curbing migration in the name of protecting public health. This was a policy put in place at the outset of COVID-19, so transport ourselves back to 2020, and allowed U.S. officials to turn away migrants who came specifically from the U.S.-Mexico border on the grounds of preventing the spread. Under this policy, migrants were returned over the border and denied the right to seek asylum. U.S. officials turned away migrants more than 2.8 million times. So could be the same migrants, but that happened, basically not allowing them to seek asylum 2.8 million times. Families and children traveling alone were exempt from this policy. 
you know, there were no real consequences, though, when someone illegally crossed the border. So migrants were able to try again and again to cross on the off chance that they would get in. President Biden initially kept Title 42 in place when he took office in 2021. Then he tried to end it in 2022. Republicans sued, arguing the restrictions were necessary for border security. Courts kept the rules in place, but the Biden administration, when they announced that they would be ending the public health emergencies, you might have seen that public health emergency for COVID-19 ended on May 11th, that these border restrictions would also have to end because it was based on that public health piece of the puzzle. The Biden administration put in place a series of new policies trying to stop illegal crossings, and the administration said it's going to stop people from It's trying to stop people from paying smuggling operations to make the dangerous journey. How exactly they're going to actualize that, I don't know. You know, I think one of the thing one of the policies is that if migrants are caught caught crossing illegally, they're not going to be allowed to return for five years and could face criminal charges. I think more to come is there's going to be more to come in the immigration space. But I wanted to give you kind of some context. When you see these bills passing either the House or the Senate, I want to give you context on what the other policies and how it's kind of all interconnected. More to come, I feel like it's all I say, but I hope you continue to listen in and join in with me. That's it for this week. That is quite a lot, I know. Thank you so much for joining another episode of the Oregon News Podcast. I am thrilled to say I'm going to be hosting some new interviews. I got some feedback that people love the interviews. I do too. So some fun interviews are going to be coming into your podcast space every Thursday. So hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode of the Oregon News Podcast. As always, follow me on Instagram. I share more about each episode and myself. My handle is at Catherine Getty. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Oregon News Podcast and tune in next Thursday. See you soon.